things that's really helpful for life is to have clarity. Last week we talked about how to have clarity in the midst of uncertainty and talked about some of those things that can give us clarity. Even when we don't know exactly what's going on, we can know what to do next. And one of those things was to rally around the mission that we have as a church. And if we have clarity about that, then that tends to alleviate frustration and give us direction and the kinds of things that we need in order to go forward. And without that clarity, without that sense of purpose, then we are going to be frustrated, we're going to be confused, there's going to be a lot of wasted activity and action. So what we want to have is clarity about what we are supposed to be doing. And I'm beginning a new series today that's called How to Church, How to Church, because we want to uh, know exactly what it is that we're supposed to be doing as a church. I mentioned in the on-site message last week that a couple of years ago when I took the, my sabbatical and had the opportunity to take a break, to visit other churches, when I come, came back, I really felt like I would love to just start afresh, just shut everything down as a church and then relaunch. And wiser heads prevailed, and we didn't do that. But then, within a very relatively short time, we faced this pandemic and all the adjustments and adaptations that we had to make as a result of that. And uh, I kind of either got my wish, or maybe it's a lesson and be careful what you wish for, because it's almost like we're restarting. And if we're going to restart, then we want to have clarity about what we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to do as a church. We're going to talk about how to church and starting with the story that we're living, the story that we're living. Today we're talking about our message as a church. Whether you realize it or not, you are living a particular story. And what we're going to say about our story is this, the bottom line, following Jesus makes life better and makes you better at life. Now, you've probably heard me say that before if you've been around our church for any period of time, but we're going to go kind of on a deep dive as to where this comes from and what it means. There's only one key scripture today. I'm not going to read a particular passage to you, but we get that from John 10.10, where Jesus is teaching and he says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came so that they would have life and have it abundantly, life abundantly. And that's why we say that following Jesus makes life better and makes you better at life. And so the challenge, the practical aspect of this is if that's the case, then the most logical thing to do would be to try following Jesus. I'm Brian Foreman. Welcome to Cornerstone Online. And I'll also mention that we do Cornerstone on-site, our in-person experience as well. And I'm just going to direct you to our calendar, cornerstonenh.org slash calendar, for the schedule for that, because what we're finding now is we are changing locations and times, and so the best way to know how to meet in person, if you're able and willing, is to go to our calendar. But whatever experience you participate in online, on-site, on-demand, we are hoping to inspire and equip you to follow Jesus because following Jesus makes life better and makes you better at life. And if you're new to Cornerstone, 
We'd love to be able to welcome you personally and stay in touch with you to keep you up to date with what's going on with Cornerstone. So if you're new here, start here. Text the word NEW to our church number, 603-225-2550. Now, I said we were going to be talking about the story that we're living, and today's message in How to Church is about the story that we are living. It's about our message, and there is a script to every story, a script to every story, and it includes the problem that you face, the solution to the problem, and the call to action, what you need to do in order to solve the problem. Now, for this framework, I'm indebted to Donald Miller. Donald Miller is a, uh, began uh, as a Christian memoirist. He was an author that wrote memoirs, and his most famous and first most well-known book is called Blue Like Jazz. And Blue Like Jazz, his memoir, got turned into a movie, and as they were doing that and turning that book into a movie, he got into the process of writing the script and the whole idea of the story and the elements of a story and what makes for a good story and what draws an audience in. And then after that, he made kind of a career transition into... Uh, a business called Story Brand, where they would take these elements of the story and help businesses to tell their story. And it has a lot of practical application for the church as well, because we have a story to tell. It's our message, and it's the message of Jesus. So uh, he points out, Donald Miller does, that uh, there's a script, there's a, an outline to every story, and at its most basic level, it includes these three elements. So, if the message that we are telling is that following Jesus makes life better and makes you better at life, let's look at it from this perspective of the script or the story that we are living, and we'll begin with the problem. Here's the way I've stated the problem. We all have the sense that things are not as they should be or as good as they could be. This is the big problem with the whole world is that we just have this sense that, you know, whether whatever story you're telling, whatever uh, story you're reading, whatever movie that you're watching, whatever problems you're facing in your own life, that it begins with something that you want, but for some reason, you're not experiencing that. <laughs> and this isn't a Christian thing. This isn't a Bible thing. This is just a life thing that we all, regardless of your background or your experience or your religious convictions or lack thereof, we all have the sense that things are not as they should be or as good as they could be. And that's the way the story of our faith begins as well. Look at Genesis 1.1, the very first verse of the very first chapter of the very first book of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then it goes through and tells the story of creation. And at the end of the chapter, the very last verse, it says, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. So at creation, 
everything is just as it should be. But that lasts for a whole chapter or two before what the what theologians call the fall. It's when things break down, and from that point on, things are not as good as they could be, and they are certainly not as they should be. We all experience that. We all see that in our world. Now, let me kind of break that down even further. What is the problem? Well, there's three aspects to it. Uh, if things aren't as they could be or should be, because the world's systems are broken. We uh, encounter injustice. We encounter sickness and disease. We encounter all of these things in our world that we just know, we recognize, that's not the way it should be. There's something within us that tells us that. The Apostle John described it in his first letter to the churches when he said, practically everything that goes on in the world, and what, are, what he goes on to describe what those things are, wanting your own way, wanting everything for yourself, wanting to appear important, he just kind of gives an outline of some of the things that, that cause the world to go off kilter. And he says all these things have nothing to do with the Father, talking about God the Father. It just isolates you from Him. He says, it, it basically, if you just follow on the way the world is, is rolling, the way that the track is running, then it's going to go off of the way things should be and the way things could be. And you're not going to be drawing closer to your Heavenly Father and the way that He things, wants things to be. It's actually going to take you farther away. There's just a brokenness that we encounter in the world. The things in the world are not as they should be. And we all have that sense. We all get that innately. And then beyond that, it's not just a problem that's out there in the world. We all recognize that we have shortcomings within us, that the brokenness in the world isn't just out there, but there's something within us. And the Apostle Paul powerfully describes this in Romans chapter 7 when he says, I don't really understand myself. And I, why don't you understand yourself, Paul? What's going on? For what I want to do, I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Here, he's just being very honest and confessional and saying, you know, there are times where I know the right thing to do. Uh, and, and I actually even want to do it. But I find myself doing the things that I hate, the things that I don't want to do, the things that I know I shouldn't do, the things that I know are going to hurt others and hurt myself. And so there are there are just times where, to greater or lesser extent, we do things that we don't want to do, that we know we don't want to do, that we know aren't going to be beneficial or helpful or healthy for us or the people around us, but we end up doing them ourselves. It's just a very poignant description of what is wrong within us as well. And then beyond that, not only is the world, uh, the, wor the way the world works broken, and there's a brokenness within us, uh, there's also, there are also invisible forces at work against us. Now, you may or may not believe that, and that's fine, but I think that there still is just kind of a general recognition 
that there's something out there. Uh, I was talking to someone who doesn't believe in God, doesn't follow Jesus, doesn't come from that point of reference, but the way that she was describing things was, you know, maybe the universe was going to be uh, helpful or on her side or make things work out. She wasn't uh, willing or able to describe it as God, but just a recognition that there's there's some there's something out there. There's more than just what we see and what we can feel and what we can touch. More than just what's going on inside of us. And whether you believe that or not, uh, that's fine. But that is the testimony of Scripture that there's yeah, not only a broken world and broken people, but there are. Uh, evil spiritual forces at work as well. This is described in Ephesians 6.12. The Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Ephesus, says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. That's a good thing to remember sometimes. But against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. Against mighty powers in this dark world. And against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So there is a brokenness that exists in all of the universe, that things are not as they should be or as good as they could be. We recognize that the world is not as it should be, that we're not as we uh, should be, and that there are spiritual unseen forces at work behind the scenes as well. Now, that's not to say that there's a devil behind every bush, but it's just an acknowledgement that there's more going on than what meets the eye. So, that's part of the story. The problem is that things are not as they should be, and certainly not as good as they could be. But we believe that following Jesus makes life better and makes you better at life. So, we believe that there's a solution to this problem. And here's how I would state the solution. Whether, whatever you believe about Jesus, he said he came to give us the path and the power, the path and the power we need to experience life as we wish it could be and know it should be. Now, a couple of things I want you to notice about this is that it's all about Jesus. We are a Christian church. Where do we get that? From Jesus Christ. Our message is all about Jesus. Our focus is on Jesus. But we also recognize that not everybody's going to share that perspective or start from that perspective. So I believe that the way that we state it is really important. And so that's why I say whatever you believe about Jesus. Because I could start out by saying Jesus came to set things right. And you could say, well, I don't believe I don't believe in Jesus. I don't believe that he uh, is who he said he is, that what he did matters, or that he even truly existed. But that, I, I kind of want to take that out of the equation, because an honest examination of the eyewitness testimony to Jesus' life, which we have in the scriptures, tells us that whatever you believe about Jesus, Jesus thought this. He came to give us the path and power we need to experience life as we wish it could be and know it should be. Uh, I like also the idea of the path and the power. The path, that there's a way to get back. There is a solution to this problem. 
but we also, it's more than just head knowledge. It's not just knowing the right things, because as the Apostle Paul was describing in Romans 7.15, I know the right way to do things. I know the right path to take. I just don't do it sometimes. And so we need not just a path, but also the power. And Jesus said that he came to give us both. Back to our key verse for today, John 10.10. He says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Now, he's talking there about the the chief of those unseen forces, the the enemy, the devil, uh, Satan. And he says, he has an agenda for you, and that's to steal and kill and destroy. But what's Jesus' agenda for us? I came, Jesus said, so that they would have life and have it abundantly. That they would have true life and have it to the full. And in, uh, so he said, you know, basically, I'm, I, I've come to set things right. I'm going to give you a path, and I'm going to give you the power to uh, solve this problem. And in fact, Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, most of the time now we refer to our faith as Christianity, but in it, when it originally got started, the name that the believers chose for themselves was the way. I think most likely rooted in Jesus' own words here. He was giving us a path. He was giving us a solution to get back to where we want to be. And that's what the whole story of the scriptures is all about. It's about Jesus. In fact, Jesus himself said this in John 5.39. This is the message translation saying, You have your heads in the Bible constantly, Jesus says, because you think you'll find eternal life there. But you miss the forest for the trees. These scriptures are all about me. If we read our Bibles, if we go to church, if we pray, but we don't have our focus on Jesus, if that stuff doesn't lead us to Jesus, then we're missing the point. We're missing the forest for the trees because Jesus said the scriptures are all about me. And I think it's interesting that when he was getting ready to tell us what our mission was as his followers, as his congregation, it starts out in uh, Matthew 28:18. This is probably the least quoted part of the Great Commission, this, which is what these verses are called. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. So uh, what he starts out by saying before he gives us our mission is I'm in the place where I have all authority, all power belongs to me, so here's what I want to do with it. Here's what I want you to do. And it highlights the fact that he does have all authority. So uh, those enemies in the spiritual realms, this is how it's described in John 4, 4, the one who is in you, talking about Jesus by the person of his Holy Spirit is greater than the one who is in the world. He said, I'm the way. I'm going to give you a path. But I'm also the power. 
greater he that is in you in the person of the Holy Spirit than he that is in the world. You can overcome the world, the brokenness within, and the powers that are arrayed against you through the power of Jesus Christ, because he has all authority. And then he goes on to say, after saying he has all authority, here's what I want you to do. Go and make disciples of all nations. Now, we talked about that last week, that disciple is kind of a churchy word, but it just literally means a learner or an apprentice, I think is the best description. It's an apprentice. It's someone who's learning and following the ways of Jesus, wants to know Jesus' ways and wants to live Jesus' ways in their own lives. And you start with becoming a follower of Jesus, and that's described in the first part uh, of the breaking it out, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. How do you become a follower of Jesus? You say yes to Jesus, and the way that Jesus instituted for you to formalize it and for you to celebrate it is by being baptized. In baptism, you paint a picture that you are let down into the water, buried in a watery-like grave, acknowledging that before Christ you were dead in your trespasses and sins. But then we lift you up out of the water, uh, symbolizing the new life that you have in Christ, the water symbolizing that your sins are washed away and that you have a fresh start and new life. So you get started on that journey, and then you grow and you make progress. You take next steps in that journey, and that's what's described in the second half here, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Um, Most famous uh, summary of the good news, the gospel, is found in John 3.16, where it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. This is the story that we're living. We talk about what did God do? He loved the world. The The world is broken, but he wants to redeem it. And so, as a result, he gave his one and only Son. He sent Jesus to make things right and to set things right in the world, in the people in the world, and overcoming the spiritual powers arrayed against his people in the world. So that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Uh, The way one pastor summed it up is God loved, God gave, we believe, and we receive. We get in on receiving of eternal life. And eternal life, as the Apostle uh, John is describing it here, is not just something that you receive after you die. It's the life that begins when God gives you new life in Christ. And I love the second part, the second verse after this, uh, John 3.17 says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world purpose is not to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what the enemy does. He wants to redeem and rescue and save. And that's what's described there. And so, as a result, when you say yes to Jesus, what's the story you're living? 
I love this description of it in 2 Corinthians 5.17. The Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ, if you say yes to Jesus, if you uh, declare your allegiance to Jesus, if you become his follower, you have become a new person. It's not just a decision that you make on the outside. It's a transformation that God works on the inside. You become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. So he fixes what's broken in you on the inside. doesn't mean that you're going to experience perfect uh, perfection from that point on, but it does mean that there's a new force and a new life within you that is at work. It's the life of Jesus living his life through you. And as we do that, as a group, as a follower, as a, con- a group of followers, as a congregation does that, then we see that transformation spreading to families, to communities, to through churches, and wherever Jesus is king, that's where the kingdom of God comes. That's Rick Warren that says that. And this is what Jesus said in his prayer that we call the Lord's Prayer when he was teaching us how to pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, part of God's plan to fix the brokenness in the world is to fix us on the inside and then we begin to do the things that God wants us to do and to live according to his ways. We follow the path of Jesus in the power of Jesus. And as a result, what the church is, what these little congregations are actually little enclaves of the kingdom of God, of little foretastes of heaven in the here and now, where God's kingdom comes and his will is done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's the story that we get to live. That by following Jesus, it makes our life better and makes us better at life. In fact, if you were to go to our website, most of the time, the first two words that you see at the very top are this, life better. Now, that just doesn't mean better life. It means life. That Just as 2 Corinthians 5.17 said, that we get new life as a result, that the old has passed away and a new life has begun. And not only that, but it is better. And it's getting better all the time because as we follow Jesus, as we learn his ways and lean into his ways in his power, then we're going to start experiencing a reversal of the curse. And we start to see the solution take root in our lives. So the problem, things are not as they should be, and certainly not as good as they could be. The solution is that whatever you believe about Jesus, Jesus made it clear that he came to set things right, that he was going to provide a path and a power to make things right. And so the call to action, what do we need to do with what we hear, is that we're convinced that following Jesus makes life better and makes you better at life, and brings glory to God in the process. Now, let me just pause there for just a second, because 
sometimes you can say, well, this is, you know, church is supposed to be about God. Well, it, it is about God. And when you become a follower of Jesus, you're giving the allegiance to Jesus that he deserves because God has given him all authority. So the best thing that you can do to bring glory to God and to point people towards God is by surrendering your life to Jesus, his son. And the worst thing that you could do to glorify God would be to reject the solution to the problem that he has provided. You want to bring glory to God? Then align yourself with his purposes and his power to restore things, to see things redeemed and rescued so that it's more like his original intent in creation when he created everything looked over everything and said it was very good so yes it's beneficial to you but because heaven your heavenly father is a good and loving heavenly father he wants to bless you he wants to benefit you he wants to see you following jesus and having life and experiencing it to its full. So it does bring glory to God in the process. And the call to action is to join us, to join up with other believers who are apprenticing in the ways of Jesus. Because it's not automatic. In the introduction to the Gospel of John, it says, But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. If you want to experience that rescue, if you want to know the path and experience the power of following Jesus, then you say yes to Jesus. So we've described here believing in him and accepting, receiving him. Uh, and of course, that means not just acknowledging certain facts about Jesus. It means surrendering, committing your life to Jesus, becoming a follower of Jesus. I sum it up by just saying yes to Jesus. Yes, I want what you, Jesus, did on the cross to count for me so that my sins are forgiven, so that my slate is wiped clean, so that my guilt can be washed away. I'm going to say yes to you, Jesus, as my Lord. I'm going to recognize that you have been given all authority and power. You are in the highest place because that's where God has placed you. And so by acknowledging that, recognizing that, I'm surrendering to you as my Lord. That means he's the boss, that he gets to call the shots. And when you do that, you are crossing over from death into life. You are becoming a follower of Jesus. If you would like to do that, if you've never done that, because it's not automatic, just because you grew up in church, just because your parents had you baptized, just because you were uh, born in a nation where most people claim to be followers of Jesus, none of that ultimately matters. It's what are you going to do? What story are you going to live? So, say yes to Jesus. And let us know by texting yes to 603-225-2550. When you do that, we'll be able to celebrate you with you best decision you ever you will ever make in your life and we want to be able to resource you as you begin your new life in Christ. And then of course Jesus said the way you formalize and celebrate this is through baptism. We would love to help you celebrate your baptism. You can go to cornerstonenh.org baptism 
or you can text the word baptism to 603-225-2550 and you will uh, we will get that all set up so the call to action is this we're convinced that following Jesus makes life better and makes you better at life and brings glory to God in the process so join us join in that's that's the story that I want you to be living to experience life and to experience life to the full life better now regardless of where you are on your spiritual journey you can try this out and so that's why my challenge is this to try following Jesus maybe you're not ready to say I'm going to just turn everything over to Jesus I'm going to follow Jesus wholeheartedly I believe that he is God in the flesh and that he died and rose again and is going to return you might not be there yet and that's okay Jesus own disciples before his death burial and resurrection were at different places along that journey but they were still following Jesus they were learning his ways they were apprenticing under Jesus and so I would encourage you wherever you are on your spiritual journey or wherever you are on your commitment to try it out to say you know well okay I'm, I'm facing this problem what would Jesus solution be to this I'm having this issue in a relationship I want to know how to manage my money better I mean there are all kinds of practical ways that you can be apprenticed in following Jesus so why not try it out and then see is your life better or worse for following Jesus now this isn't just my challenge or my invitation this is actually the way Jesus described it as well look at what he says in John 7 17 anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own he says look if you are an honest seeker if you just do if you focus on doing what God wants you to do if you follow my ways if you walk on this path with me then you're going to know you'll, you'll, you'll understand you'll recognize you'll, you'll know does Jesus and his teaching come from God or is it just something that he made up? Is this just something that people made up? But it's by following Jesus, by doing the will of God, by acting that you will come to that conclusion. So what do you have to lose? Try following Jesus. The reality is that we are all living a story. And whether you recognize it or not, I believe that the story that we've been describing is the story that everyone is living. Because God did create everything just uh, just so. And he looked over everything and saw that it was good. We all recognize that things are broken in the world. We recognize it in ourselves and we uh, sometimes just get that sense that there's something out there, things that we can't see that are arrayed against us. But the solution is out there. And we can either, because this is the story you'll live either way, you can either accept that solution 
and experience the benefit, or you can reject God's solution and continue to suffer the consequences. I believe that God is a loving Heavenly Father. I believe that He doesn't want His children to suffer needlessly. And so He has provided a solution. You can either reject or accept it. You can join in or you can keep following your own path. But this is the story that we're living. And we believe that following Jesus makes life better and makes you better at life and brings glory to God in the process. And we would love to have you join us on this journey. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have made a way for lives, for relationships, for your world to be redeemed and rescued. And so I pray that you would help us to recognize it, to recognize the solution that you have provided in Jesus, and to follow wholeheartedly after him. Lord, I pray that you would grant faith, that you would help people to commit to just taking the risk and trying out following you. For those that are committed to you to recognize those places where their lives are out of sync with you and they need to make an adjustment to follow you wholeheartedly. And I pray that as a result, we'll have greater and greater stories to tell of how you took what was broken and made it whole. And we can bring glory to you in the process. Thank you for this. Pray this in